get us in the mood, right? <laughs> Good morning. Happy National Coming Out Day. It is such an honor to be here to talk with you and to worship with you this morning. Quick trivia question. Does anyone know why National Coming Out Day is always held on October 11th? Anybody know? Anybody, raise, show of hands, who thinks it is because that's the day that Ellen came out on national television? Anybody who thinks that's why? No? Does anybody know? Anybody in the audience know? So in 1987, that was the date of the National March on Washington for gay and lesbian rights. In 1987, these courageous people uh, went to Washington, D.C., traveling from all over the country and marched for our rights. And, uh, and so it actually should be called something like National Get Up Off Your Butt and Fight for Your Rights Day, but uh, that phrase just wasn't as marketable. My message for National Coming Out Day is don't stand on the sidelines while people fight for your rights. Be courageous. I have to admit I was a little nervous when uh, I was first asked to come and talk to you today on National Coming Out Day because normally these speeches start off with someone telling you their very um, dramatic and serious and emotional story about their personal coming out experience that will spur you to action and get you involved, right? Um, but my coming out story is not notable or dramatic. Um, in fact, I think it's probably very similar to many of yours. When I told my parents that I was gay, my mom said I would die of AIDS, and my dad said that I will never work, I'll never have a job, the end. So uh, what I'm going to tell you instead is a much more interesting coming out story. I'm going to tell you their coming out story, the coming out story of my parents when they came out of the closet. But first, a little background. When I came out, there, there really were no um, public gay role models to speak of, uh, unless you had aspirations of being a jazzercise instructor or a lion tamer. And, uh, and, and not that there's anything wrong with those professions, it just wasn't for me. Um, so I promptly went back into the closet. Until I learned about a group of people in Washington, D.C., that would go into the halls of Congress and meet face-to-face -face with our elected representatives and demand our rights, demand my rights. They were my voice in the halls of Congress. I didn't even know these people existed. And I quickly signed up to volunteer with the Human Rights Campaign so that I too could be one of those voices. I also devised a plan to educate and enlist my parents. For their wedding anniversary, I gave my parents a $35 gift membership to HRC. I, I know, it's really passive-aggressive, right? Um, because now they're getting these emails to educate them about, uh, about all these gay rights issues, um, suddenly showing up in their inbox. And uh, within a few months, my parents were getting these emails. They were learning about repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell. They were learning about Matthew Shepard. They were learning about hate crimes. They were learning about the Federal Marriage Amendment. And my mom, bless her heart, who cannot even program the VCR. Anybody not know what a VCR is? Any? Okay. Um, could not program the VCR, but she could open an email, and where it says, click here to send a message to your senator, she could do that. And she was sending messages off to her elected representative saying that she did not think that the Constitution should be amended to abridge anyone's rights. 
If you've ever done this, sometimes you get back these form letters in the mail from your congressperson that you know, the congress member has never seen, but it's this form letter that says their position on the issue. And my mom got this letter back from Senator Kay Bailey Hutchison that said that she was voting to amend the Constitution to ban gay marriage to protect civilization. You know, if I ever wondered whether um, the $35 I spent on a gift membership for my parents to HRC was worth the money, um, I, you need to hear what my mom wrote back to Kay Hutchison. I'll let her tell you in her own words. Senator Hutchison, I am very sorry you think that same-sex marriages would threaten the traditional family. I teach fourth grade, and more than half of my students are living in single-parent households or foster homes. How do those equate to traditional families? Birth, marriage, and death are rights of life. Would you deny your child a funeral simply because he or she was gay? My son has been with his partner for eight years and would very much like the right to marry. I guarantee this right would not threaten any other living soul on this earth. I pray that you will change your mind. Sincerely, Gail Ladies and gentlemen, our parents, Gail and Jerry Levy. Good evening. I wrote that letter because Jerry and I realized that we could not just stand on the sidelines and watch the fight for our son's rights. We may be straight, but we too have had to come out of the closet. We came out the day that we told our co-workers that we were traveling to Canada so that our sons, Ryan and Ian, could get married. This action freed our co-workers to come out and support us. We came out the day that we invited our friends and our family to celebrate with us as our sons stood under the chuppah, exchanged their vows, and stomped on the glass together. You see, this was my parents' coming out story. I told you that when I was growing up, I didn't have any gay role models or heroes. Little did I know my parents would become my heroes and my role models. On this National Coming Out Day, I want you to remember three things that my parents said. Be courageous. Don't stand on the sidelines during the fight for your rights. And give other people the opportunity to come out and support you. Because deep down they want to. They just need the opportunity to do so. The first few times that I traveled to Washington, D.C. to meet with my congressman, I watched and I listened. I didn't speak. 
I learned about our fight for hate crimes protection, repealing don't ask, don't tell, and ending workplace discrimination. See, I live in Montrose, and for many years, my district, the district of Montrose, the largest concentration of gay and lesbian Houstonians, was represented by a man named John Culberson. And in our first few visits to Culberson's office, he proudly proclaimed that his constituents that voted for him were not concerned with the lives of gay and lesbian people. In fact, I don't know that he thought he had gay and lesbian people living in his district, in Montrose. For five years, my husband Ian and I would buy plane tickets, we would travel to Washington, D.C., we would set appointments, and we would sit in his office across the table from him and engage him face to face to tell him it was wrong for us to be in fear of being fired from our job simply because of who we love. His response every time was the same. He would look at us with a blank face and say, son, why are you talking about your sex at work? He just didn't get it. But we were courageous. We didn't give up. And one, during one of these visits, I, uh, I glanced across the room at his desk and saw he had a picture on his desk of he and his wife and his daughter. And of course, the first thing that crosses my mind is, oh my gosh, this guy is advertising his sex life. I mean, he, here he is telling me he's had sex at least once. I mean, with this woman, there's, the, there's his daughter. Um, I didn't say that. I instead, I instead turned to him and said, uh, Congressman, I see the beautiful picture of you and your family on your desk over there. I want you to know that you have hundreds of Houstonians living in your district that cannot put a picture of their family on their desk for fear that they might be fired. For the first time in five years, he was silent. He said nothing. He was speechless. He understood. He got it. We're not always going to have these sorts of breakthrough moments with people. Um, and I'm not suggesting that everybody get on a plane and fly to Washington, D.C. and meet with every single member of Congress until each one of them finally gets it. Um, instead, the opportunity for you to be courageous, for you to not sit on the sidelines and for you to help other people come out and support you has come to Houston in the form of Proposition One. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know that many of you know about Proposition One. But what you may not know is that this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for you to make a difference in your city and listen to this, to make a difference for all Americans. And here's why. I want you to think about something. I want you to stop for a second. This is the first test. This is the first popularity contest since the Supreme Court decision on marriage, the first election that will decide whether or not we are second-class citizens or full Americans with equality. Let me be clear, if Proposition 1 fails on November 3rd in Houston, if Proposition 1 fails in the fourth largest city in the United States, if Proposition 1 
fails in the most diverse city in the United States. If Proposition 1 fails in a city with an openly lesbian mayor, it will signal open season on our rights in every single state where they can get these measures on the ballot. It's that serious. But if we win, if we get people to the polls for early voting, if we bring people with us, if we win, and if we win big, we send a message that our human rights cannot be abridged by a well-funded campaign of lies. It's why for the first time in the 35-year history of the human rights campaign, every single HRC field worker positioned all around the country, they are all coming to Houston this week, every single one of them, to get people to the polls. We have 23 days, but that's not enough. I don't want to wake up on November 4th and wish I had done more. I don't want to wake up on November 4th and wish I had given more. I don't want to wake up on November 4th and to find out that my hometown of Houston thinks that discrimination is okay, thinks that I'm less. When my parents came out to their coworkers, it was a moment of courage. Now is our moment to be courageous. Who will come out today by asking your friends, your neighbors, to support you on November 3rd? How many Houstonians will you call during the phone bank today, right here at Resurrection, and ask them to come out and support your equal rights? How many of your neighbors will you drive to the polls during early voting, which starts in just one week? This is the civil rights moment of our lifetime. Right here in Houston. We didn't ask for this fight, they brought it to us. And our opponents have drawn a line in the sand. Will you join me and my parents on that line? Are you ready to come out one last time? Will you stand with us? Thank you, and God bless you.
Good morning, MCC. It's wonderful to be here with you this morning, and uh, I want to take a moment and just thank Brian for being courageous and for introducing you to introducing us to your family. And thank you for your very powerful message this morning. It's my distinct pleasure to bring you greetings from our global moderator, the Reverend Elder Nancy Wilson. She sends her blessings, she sends her love, and she sends her gratitude for you being MCC. 